Today we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. This is an incident in the life of our Lord when he did, you know, our Lord did many remarkable things, obviously. And sometimes, you know, we get a little used to reading the Bible and the miracles that Jesus did. And we kind of, you know, we, we, we're not, we don't stand in wonder of those things, maybe perhaps as we should over time. But this is a remarkable story. It's a true story. These are not myths. These are not fables. Uh, nobody in Hollywood wrote this, you know, as a script for something. This is a true account of something that Jesus actually did. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, he did a remarkable miracle. And every miracle, of course, is remarkable. But let me, uh, uh, let me read this to you. They went across the lake to the reason, region of the Gerasenes, that is, Jesus and his disciples. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. He lived in the cemetery. And no one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Every time I read that, I think of the Incredible Hulk. You know, that uh, movie or t TV show a while back where they tried to chain up the Incredible Hulk and he would break all of that stuff. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of Jesus. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. That's what the man said to Jesus. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. This man was possessed not just by one demon, but many demons. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out of this man and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And these demons overwhelmed these pigs. They possessed these pigs and they committed pigicide. And by the way, this is the first instance of deviled ham in the Bible. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. He was transformed. He was changed. He was different. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told him about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They, was, they were afraid of Jesus. They thought Jesus might be like a king of the demons because he had cast these demons out and they wanted Jesus to leave their area. They were afraid of him. They didn't understand who Jesus was. 
As Jesus was getting into the boat, bless his heart, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. He said, oh, this man who had been set free from all these demons, they, he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I want to go with you. See, he was afraid the demons would come back. He didn't know if his healing was permanent or not. He wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to be with the one who had set him free. Now you would think Jesus said, well, listen, why don't you come on with me? You'll be a great witness and a testimony to my power. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus didn't let him go. But he said to him, I want you to go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away. And he began to tell in the Decapolis, that's the region from which he was from, how much Jesus had done for him. <laughs> and all the people were amazed. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for the delivering power, the saving power of Jesus Christ. That same power that set this man free from all those demons and changed his life is the same power that has touched our life and saved our souls and changed our lives. Our God is still the same. And the God who can set free, the God who can deliver, the God who can change a life is still that God today, accessible to us through a prayer of faith and repentance and trust. Thank you for this true story. And I pray that you'll take its truths and apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I get into the story, I, of course, I, I do want to acknowledge the fact that today or tomorrow is Memorial Day. Very important day, I think, for all of us. A very important day in the life of our country. It's the day, of course, in which we remember and we honor the memory of those who gave their lives in defense of our nation, in defense of our freedom and values. Uh, one thing that I, I do on Memorial Day, it's kind of, a, you know, it's kind of a quirky thing that I do, but I try to make sure that I remember what Memorial Day is all about. My dad served in World War II. Uh, he was a part of the great generation. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But what I do usually on Memorial Day, if we have the opportunity, unless me and Miss Avers are traveling somewhere, one of the things that I do is I get my dad's World War II dog tags. I have those. And that's the only day that I'll wear them and I'll put them on. And then I'll watch the movie Saving Private Ryan. I've seen it many times. That's kind of a rough movie to watch sometimes. My dad was not there on D-Day. He came in later in the theater in the World War II. But I kind of do that just to remember his generation and their sacrifice. Now, you probably have the ways that you observe Memorial Day. But let's never forget those men and those women who made the ultimate sacrifice in the freedom, uh, defense of our freedom and our values. And of course, I try also Memorial Day to be grateful for and to remember and to pray for those who are currently serving, those who have served and those who are currently serving. Uh, in defense of our nation. May God protect them and keep them safe. But from this passage today, I want to talk about the power of a personal testimony. I want to share a message with you 
on the power of a personal testimony. Now, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a personal testimony. Now, you may not think much of yourself as a Christian. You may not say, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a missionary, you know, and I don't do this and I don't do that. But listen, I don't want to tell you, if you're a Christian, you're very special. You're very special to God. You're very special to this world. And one thing that is very special about you is you have a personal testimony. You say, well, what is that? What is my personal testimony? Well, your personal testimony is the story of how you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. It's the story of how you were saved. It's the story of how you were born again. Now, this man that Jesus delivered all these demons from... And he made whole and he saved him not only physically and emotionally, but he also saved him spiritually. What a personal testimony this man had, right? I always think in my mind's eye, you know, and and try to imagine some things. And I can just imagine this man who had been set free from all of these demons going to his mama's house. Knocking on the door of his mama's house. His mama comes to the door and there he stands, no longer the ravaged, savage person that he was when he was under the control of Satan and all of those demons. Now fully clothed in his right mind with a smile on his face and she opens that door and there he stands and he says, mama, it's me. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing to see? Mama, it's me. And I want to tell you, What Jesus has done for me. So he shared his personal testimony. He obeyed the Lord. He went throughout all of that region. And he shared his personal testimony. With family. And with friends. He wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus said, no, I have an assignment for you. I need a witness in this area. I need somebody to to share the good news in this area. I can't be everywhere at once in in my humanity. So I have a job for you. Everybody knows who you are and what you've been and what has happened in your life. Now I want you to go and tell them the good news of what the Lord has done for you. And the man did this. And I imagine his testimony was pretty powerful. Now Jesus gave us a great commission. Among the last things that Jesus said after his resurrection before he ascended was the Great Commission. We find it in Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20. And in the Great Commission, Jesus told us to carry the gospel to the entire world starting at our front doorstep. We are to band together. We are to come together and we're to do everything that we can do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the entire world. We're to come together. We're to do that individually as we share what the Lord has done for us. And we're to do that collectively as we support mission work throughout the world. Evangelism is what you do where you live. Missions is what you do to make, help to make possible sharing the gospel of Christ around the world. And so we have the, you know, with the Christian life, we have tremendous privileges. I think about the privilege of prayer. Did you know as a Christian... As a child of God, you can pray anywhere, at any time, and any, in any place. 
You can come before the God who made all that there is, the God of the Bible. You can come into his presence and he will give you his full and undivided attention as his child, as if he had nothing else in the world to do. What a tremendous privilege prayer is. The privilege of reading the word of God, the privilege of being a part of the church. We have wonderful privileges as children of God, but also we have tremendous responsibilities as God's people. Not just privileges, but responsibilities. And one of those things that we are responsible for doing is to tell others about Jesus Christ. To share the good news with other people. Now the reality is, and studies show us, and studies tell us, that very few Christians will ever individually, personally, and purposely share the gospel of Jesus Christ with another person. Very few Christians ever do that. Just sit down with another person and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them with the purpose and with the intent of leading them to Christ if they will accept the good news that you're sharing. Very few Christians ever do that. That Now, we'll tell people that we are Christians. We'll tell people that we are followers of Christ. But very few Christians will ever take advantage of any opportunity that we might have to speak a word of witness to other people to lead them to Christ. Now, the question is this. Why don't we do that? If the good news is good news then why aren't we sharing that good news with other people? I mean, we'll talk about, you know, we'll share other things that are good news. We'll talk about the latest ball game. We'll talk about the latest movie we saw. We'll talk about the latest trend that is going on, the latest thing going on in our life. And all those things can be good news, and we'll share that good news. We feel at ease in sharing the good news of those kinds of things. But why aren't we sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with other people? Why aren't we purposely, intentionally seeking out opportunities as the Holy Spirit leads us and empowers us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people? Well, I think the biggest obstacle we have of sharing the gospel with other people is fear. We're afraid. We're afraid to open our mouths and speak boldly as we ought to speak, as Paul said. We're afraid we're going to mess it up. I mean, the gospel is so important. It's so powerful. It's so impactful. It will make a difference in the life of a person. We're afraid, well, if I try to share the gospel with somebody, I might mess it up. And I don't want to mess that up. So we're afraid to do that. We're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. We're afraid we're going to share the wrong message. We're afraid that the person we're talking to is going to reject us. No one wants to be rejected. No one wants to be attacked. We're afraid, well, if I share the gospel with this person, they may attack me. They may uh, get angry with me. They may reject me. And I don't want to go through that. And there's a lot of anti-Christian growing bias now in the world in which we're living in. And so we find it just better to just let somebody else share the gospel. We'll just keep it to ourselves. We don't want to alienate people. We don't want to be rejected by people. By the way, in all of my life of of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people, I've had very, very few people 
who have ever gotten angry with me for talking to them about Jesus. Some of them kind of ignored it and, you know, didn't really think it was a good thing, but I've had very few people ever attack me or reject me. Usually the things we build up in our minds that we're afraid of, we don't really have to be afraid of. We're afraid of uh, uh, the other person will ask us a question we can't answer. Listen, a five-year-old will ask you a question you can't answer. I had a five-year-old ask me one time, what are shadows made of? Why is water wet? And my stock answer to questions like that is this. Go ask your mother. Don't ask me that. Your mom's got the answer, you know. We're afraid people are going to ask us a question we can't answer. We're afraid we don't know enough about the Bible to witness to somebody else. We're afraid that we're not good enough to tell others about Christ. Now, fear is not the only obstacle that, that keeps us from sharing the gospel, but I believe it's one of the, the biggest obstacles that we have. Listen, my goal today is not to make you feel guilty about not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody else. That's not my goal. My goal today is to help you to understand how you, yes, you, can share the gospel with someone else with confidence, without fear, to do what God has called us to do. Now, there's two ways that I have learned to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. One is through a, a gospel presentation, a logical, systematic gospel presentation that utilizes various scriptures. Things like CWT, continuous witness training. Things like evangelism explosion. Those are good things. Every Christian needs to know how to do that. You say, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. If you can follow a, a recipe in the kitchen, you can learn how to share the gospel through a systematic presentation of the gospel that utilizes scriptures in a logical way. You can learn that. If you can learn the ins and outs of how to do your job at your job, then you can learn that. That's one way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. But let me tell you another way you can share the gospel. And that is by sharing your story. That's by sharing your personal testimony. Now, you may not be an expert in the Bible. I don't know any Bible experts, to be honest with you. I've been studying the Bible for many years. I'm not, I'm not an expert. In fact, the more I learn about the Bible, the more I realize how little I know about the Bible. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. You don't have to be a Bible expert to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you may say, well, I'm not an expert in the Bible, and I might mess things up. Listen, you don't have to be an expert in the Bible. But my friend, you are an expert in how you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No one knows that story better than you. And you can take your personal testimony. And you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people by telling them your story. No one knows that story better than you. And it's powerful. So today I want to share my personal testimony with you. Quickly. I want to share my personal testimony. I was raised on a farm in Chris County just up the road. 
My mother and father, who are now with the Lord, were wonderful Christian people. I grew up attending a church with my parents. Sometimes I tell people as a child I had a drug problem. My mom and daddy drugged me to church all the time. And as a child, I was raised in the church. And as I grew up in that church, there were occasions when the Lord really reached out to me. He brought me under conviction. He was drawing me to himself. But I resisted what the Lord was doing in my life. And so I grew up and I left home without giving my life to Christ. And when I got out on my own, I wandered from the church, quit going to church, and I forsook the faith of my parents. Growing up as a child, I always wanted to be a radio announcer. I mean, who wants to be a radio announcer? But that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I wanted to be the play-by-play guy for the Atlanta Braves and all of that stuff. So not long after I graduated from high school, I had the opportunity to go to work for a radio station just up the road in Ashburn, Georgia. It was not long after I began that that I met the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. And I married her, and today we've been married for over 50 years. Lord have mercy what she has put up with. Now at that time, I thought my life couldn't get better. I had the job I always wanted. I loved and I was married to a beautiful girl who loved me. And I had a brand new 1971 Cutlass Supreme. Can I get a witness? My car payments were $86 a month. And I had an eight-track tape player in that car. Okay, if you don't know what that is, Google it. Then I thought I was something. I was working at the radio station. You know, I had all of this. For me, I thought life couldn't get better. But something was missing in my life. There was an emptiness in my life. There was a longing in my life. And it was at that time that the Lord really began to deal with me. The Lord that I had forsaken really began to deal with me. He began to convict me of my sin and my need of Him. And there would be those times when the Lord was really reaching out to me. And let me tell you this story, and it's a true story. It's my story. I fought the Lord until one Thursday afternoon. I was driving from Ashburn to Tifton, Georgia. I was on an assignment from the radio station for some advertising. I came into Chula, Georgia. Just right over here, Chula, Georgia. And I had an experience while I was driving. I never had it before. I've never had it since. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. Didn't feel anything, but I did sense that God was with me at that particular moment. And I heard in my own heart and in my own mind, the Lord say to me, okay, I fooled around with you long enough. It's time for you to come to me. Paul had his Damascus Road experience. I had my Chula Road experience. That was on a Thursday. On that following Sunday, for the first time in a long time, I got up and I asked Miss Harris, would you like to go to church? And she said yes. And we wound up at Sycamore Baptist Church, just right up the road. That was January 12, 1975. 
And that morning I came in. The only available seat in the whole church sanctuary that morning was on the front pew. Me and my little family, we came in. We sat down on that front pew. Everybody knew who I was because I was on the radio, but they didn't know why I was there. I didn't have the best of reputations. Brother Cliff Brown, the pastor, preached that morning. And that morning, I took three steps. I took him by the hand. And this is literally what I said to him that morning. I am lost and I want to be saved. I'm lost and I want to be saved. That morning, he knelt with me. He took me down the Romans road of salvation, Romans chapter 10. And that morning, I gave my life to Jesus Christ And he saved me and he changed me that day. It was not long after that, Miss Harris gave her life to Christ. We were saved. We were baptized. We became a part of that wonderful church. Sometime later on, a few months after that, I began to feel like the Lord was calling me to preach. I surrendered to the ministry. I was ordained on February 8th of 1976. I moved to Mississippi, went to Blue Mountain College, a a Mississippi Baptist uh, uh, college. Later on, I attended Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And for over 47 years, the Lord has allowed me to be a pastor and be a part of many wonderful congregations in Alabama and Georgia. And I've also had the opportunity to work in Christian radio. It's kind of interesting. I told the Lord, I, I, not long ago, I said, Lord, you know, I'm getting a little older. I can feel I'm getting a little older. I get up some morning and I have pains where I didn't even know I had those spots, but I'm having pains in those spots. I said, but Lord, I want to live for you and I want to love you and live for you. I want to give you my best until my last day. Then the Lord opened up the opportunity to come here and to be a part of a radio ministry. Listen, if you're not serious, don't tell the Lord you want to do something. Because he'll open that door for you. And that's what the Lord has done in my life. And let me tell you today, since I have been saved, this is what I've learned about God. Now, this is not necessarily what I've learned about God from the Bible. I'm still learning about God from his word. But this is what I have learned through the experiences of my life as I have walked with the Lord for these years. I know that God is faithful. Since I've become a Christian, I've often let God down. But I can tell you today that God has never let me down. He has always been there. He's always loved me. He's always cared for me. He's always provided for me. I have learned that my God is a faithful God. I've learned that he's forgiving. Since I've been saved, I've failed the Lord a lot. I'm not perfect. But I am different. (laughs) I'm different because of what Christ has done in my life. You know, when a Christian sins, it doesn't rob us of salvation, but it does rob us of our fellowship with the Lord. It robs us of our joy. It affects our usefulness for the Lord. And when I've repented of my sin, and I've had to repent far more after I got saved than I did before, you know, I was thinking about it before I was saved. When I've honestly repented, confessed my sins to God, He's forgiven me and restored me. He's a forgiving God. I can also tell you this. This is what I've learned from God from personal experience in walking with the Lord. God is focused. Listen, God doesn't save us and then say, okay, now go and enjoy your life. 
God is not a spectator of our life. God is not on the sidelines of our life. When God saves you, he has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. He is focused on that plan. He is tenacious in working with in your life to make that plan possible. God has a goal for your life. That goal is to conform you to the image of his son. That goal is to make you more like Jesus in your actions and in your behavior and in your attitudes. That goal is to make you salt and light in this world. That goal is to make you someone God can use in this world. God is focused on that goal and he will not stop until he achieves that goal in your life. He's not just sitting up there somewhere observing you. He's actively involved in your life. Here's another thing I've learned about God. He is freeing. (laughs) Our God is a freeing God. Knowing God and his saving grace has freed me from the burden and the guilt and the shame of my sin. Knowing God has freed me from the fear of the future. From the fear of death. From the fear of what, what is before me in eternity. Knowing God has freed me from living a life that is consumed with empty pursuits. Knowing God has freed me from living a wasted life that is focused on things that will ultimately not last in this world and do not matter. Knowing God has freed me to love God with abandon and to live for others, and to love others with the love of Christ. Knowing God has freed me and enabled me to forgive others as I have been forgiven. Our God is a freeing God. That's what I've learned about God. You see, you can learn about God from the Word of God. But listen, you will learn about God from the experiences of your life. I've also learned that God is my friend. God is my friend. He is the creator. He is the sovereign. He is the redeemer. He is my father. He is worthy of my respect and honor. But God also is my friend. A friend who will never leave me nor forsake me. He's my friend. And I speak with him and I talk with him. And he works in my life. That's what I've learned about God. I've learned that God is a fulfilling God. He has filled my life with meaning and purpose. You know, Jesus said, if you'll come to him, you'll never hunger and you'll never thirst again. That doesn't mean physical hunger. Or physical thirst. That means filling your life with purpose and meaning. So many people are searching for what makes life worth living. I found it. I found it in Jesus Christ. He is a fulfilling God. And God is a forever God. Hebrews 13, 5 says, God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He will never leave me and he'll never leave you. His promises are true. That's my testimony. Now your testimony is dramatic. It may not be as dramatic as this guy who was delivered from all these demons. It may not be as dramatic as the Apostle Paul's testimony when he was saved on the road to Damascus. It may not be in some ways as dramatic as my Tula Road experience. But your testimony, whatever it may be, is dramatic and it is powerful. And you need to share it with others. And you're an expert in what Christ has done in your life. You say, well, I was raised in church. 
I was never a criminal and I wasn't a drug addict and I didn't do all of these things. But listen, God has saved you by the same power that he's used to save those kind of folks. Tell the story. Be honest with it. Be humble with it. Let it come from your heart. And invite people to follow Christ as you have done. And the Holy Spirit of God. See, we have a partner in everything we do for the Lord. And that's the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. He's my friend, my helper, my comforter. We have a partner that will help us and encourage us and empower us. Trust in Him. Share the good news. And listen, the Lord will lay on your heart people that He wants you to talk to about becoming a Christian. The hardest person I've ever witnessed to in my life was my own brother. I felt like I needed to go to him and tell him about Christ. I didn't think he was saved. I went and I shared with him. He didn't accept Christ that day. But one of the best days of my life was a few years later when my mama called me and said, so why? Hey, guess what? My brother was saved today. I don't know if the Lord used what I said to make a difference in his life. But I was glad that he gave his life to Christ. You may, now, today you may say, well, Brother Chris, I don't have a personal testimony. Because I've never given my life to Jesus. I, I've never really trusted in Christ. So I, I don't have a story to tell. Guess what? Your personal testimony can begin today. <laughs> it can start right now. Your personal testimony can start right now by giving your life to Jesus Christ, just like I did so many years ago. You say, well, what must I know to be saved? Here's what I knew when I was saved. I was lost and Jesus could save me. Ha! That's what I knew. And I said, Lord, I want to be saved. And he saved me and he changed my life. You say, is it real? Yes. Yes. Yes, it's real. He will save your soul. He will change your life. Your testimony can begin today. And I pray that it will as you give your life to Christ. Would you pray with me?